Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Continuing the Conversation. You found us, podcast community, uh, Discord community, DMT World community, uh, Indra's web community, and uh, now we're sharing it out with you. We uh, got together today to discuss a topic and a book that I absolutely love and love to share. It's Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Uh, This tool has helped me a ton in my own life and also Luke, as you'll hear, has made quite a bit of use of it and loves it as well. We're, uh, we really enjoy being able to share this one with you and we, this is a topic I'd love to hear back from anybody who is interested, thought this was an interesting conversation or has tried this. Uh, please come join us at Discord, discuss this with us and uh, we definitely want to hear from you. This conversation was with Mystic Moose, Water Puppy, The Rev, Luke Skywalker, and Ben CMCP, and myself, T-Rex Afora. Uh, this conversation was recorded on February 25th of 2021. Getting it out to you quick, because I want to hear from you about this. So, uh, yeah. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We dig into this system and compare it to other things and see how it could fit in our lives and discuss that. We're excited to share this conversation with you. So enjoy. Remember, we're not just all in this together. We are this together. Boom. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Craig. You are so helpful, you little fuzzy bear. Do you do that too? Uh, do, you, do you thank your technology when it does things for you? Uh, dude, I talk to my technology all day long. So I've been yeah, playing man. with uh, VR and it's a lot. Like it, it, I'm developing in VR. So I've, I've been learning uh, Unity and that's been the program I've been building in. And then I've been doing all my artwork in Blender. So they're both like open source free programs. And all you need is a good enough computer to push them and you can make your own virtual reality experiences. But it's so technical, man. And there are so many layers to like getting it to do what you want. And I'm constantly just like, oh, please, Mr. Program. Please help me out here because I can't fit. And then the other day, I literally beat my head against one problem for like two days. And I found I had spelled the word health in my code wrong one place. And the whole thing collapsed on me. And I could not figure out why my character wouldn't die. He just would go invulnerable and lose no lives. And I was like, what is going on? And, uh, then it worked, and I was like, "Oh my God! Thank you, thank you, Health, for 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 I, solving this. Thank you, Vi- Virtual Studio. Thank you, Unity." <laughs> I should have gotten to programming when I went away to school instead of support. I mean, my dad had me programming when I was a kid on the old Atari 1040, fucking Hell programming yeah. ga- games and shit for him. And then and if he didn't program something, or if he if he didn't get me to program something, then he'd get me to debug his programming. And yeah. Yeah, I got I got into it as a kid too. My mom was a tech nerd, and uh, I got into 
like DOS. And then I, I had a Commodore 64 that I loved and I, I learned a bit with it. And then growing up, I kind of like let it all go and just kind of followed the trends of computing and just went with how everything was prepackaged and all that. And then yep. a few years ago, I found the open source community and was like, oh, shit. So I built my own PC from the ground up to do exactly what I wanted. And I've just been like diving into all these open source things that like you can literally 3D print everything in your life if you want to, <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. you can do it in metal, wood, plastic, whatever you want. You can make a computer, make it. And all the programming is open source. You just have to like be able to understand GitHub and all that shit, which is can be a it can be a huge ocean to wade into yeah i mean i think well, open source is wonderful but you got to do a lot of your own research and get involved in the open source communities if you really want to learn the shit there's there's not a lot of documentation and manuals and no. such or like when you're when you're working with something that's not open source you've got support behind it and this, that's the right i love open right. source but man you really you really got to get involved in the community you really got to stay you on do. top of it and discord is a huge way to do that now i love discord just for that the communities are Big all time. on discord their servers are all super active and anytime yeah. you hit a bump there's somebody there that's willing to, exactly. to help figure it out i don't know how many friends. hey hey luke how's it going going pretty good man oh, good yeah. morning excited good afternoon for me i guess it is yeah i figured it was <laughs> yeah. so what I miss? Uh, we're just uh oh man, you're you're windy there, buddy. Oh my bad. Um, we were just talking about the marvels of technology, man. Yeah, just nerding out like I always do. Yeah, my so. parents raised me super polite, so I say thank you to Alexa and Google and all that crap. Anytime <laughs> they help me out, I'm like, thank you. Like, Who are you talking to? Thanking Google. Yeah, you thank the Google, care, right? Yeah, damn right. Alexa does because it's an AI. It's learning. If you talk nice to it, it'll learn that you're nice. Yeah, yeah. I find if I'm if I'm if I'm short with her, she doesn't respond as well. She doesn't. She kind of she fucks up my commands and shit. But nah. if I treat her good, I treat her golden. I say my pleases and thank you. She's usually a little snappier. So nice. So uh, we've been playing. Me and my kids have been playing with Raspberry Pis, and one of our pie projects that we're gonna do is to build our own, uh, you know, non-connected Alexa. So that way we'll have an Alexa, but it won't be connected to the Google servers. <laughs> oh, so you got to build all your own knowledge base then? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dedicate a huge uh, a huge amount of information to just like storing stuff for it to learn the songs we yeah, like man. and all the all the things we want to know, the temperatures we want to know. I want it to be able to like tell me about my grow setup downstairs. Like I want it to be able to like connect to the house and control our house but not be connected outside the house yeah so it'll, it'll be a fun project it'll start small and i'm sure it'll grow so that's the fun with raspberry pies right just, yeah man you just start connecting the possibilities them together. are talking endless <laughs> yeah what yeah. are you gonna name it i i don't know i i honestly typically in my head i i immediately want to call it hal i have this this thing with uh uh space odyssey 
Um, yeah. Nice. So how nine thousand <laughs> is like all everything I ever name that's tech, like my server or my uh, Wi-Fi connection and all that. They're all named like how nine thousand or how nine thousand and one or how eight thousand and ninety nine. Uh, hey, you'll like this then being a fan of 2001 Space Odyssey. When I was born for the longest time, I was a super preemie baby, little tiny fucking chimpanzee looking thing when I was born. So my aunt gave me the nickname Odie, uh, short for Odyssey, because I looked like the Space Odyssey nice. baby. Nice. <laughs> so that was awesome. my nickname growing up was Odie for Odyssey, yeah. That's awesome. I had a I had I had a job where I was the head of maintenance at this nonprofit farm and it was off grid. We had a wind turbine and solar panels and that's what powered everything besides the generator. Um and the inverter was this uh I think it was Inatech. I can't remember what brand it was, but the na- like the the model number of it was HAL 9000. And ever since yeah, that, is. I was like, "Oh god, I got to name everything HAL 9000. That's a great name for tech." And I honestly want the device to look like I want it to hang on our wall and look like HAL, look like the computer from Space Odyssey. Uh sounds like a job for your 3D printing. Either that or it can be computer, and that way it can be like Star Trek when you just say, hey, computer. But we say the word computer so much in our life that we'd be activating that thing all the time. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great question. What are your recommendations, Luke? What do you think? Uh, Name it, Luke. Talk to me all day. Bye. (laughs) That's hilarious. You know, my kids still crack up that your name's not Luke. Because for like a full on year, I talked about you as Luke, you know. And then all of a sudden you became this other person. And they're like, wait, is that Luke? (laughs) That happens all the time when I'm talking to my wife about something. I'll mention a name. She's like, who? Yeah. Yeah. Mention the name again. Then I mentioned like a DW name. It's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I'm fine. Just, now. Call me Luke. Luke is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Luke works. Luke works yeah. for me. Yeah. I was, uh, I was in a kind of a tizzy for a while there. Um, but it's just a name. Yeah. Luke, I think it is just the short, a name. the short version. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I, I'm a star. I'm a Star Wars nerd, so uh, obviously that's what drew me to you in the first place. I'm glad you, you chose both. the name you did. Uh, that's that's um, endearing. That's kind of yeah. cool. Did uh, I ever I, tell I, you my first high school band was called the Skywalkers? <laughs> <laughs> and we that's wanted so it to be Luke and the Skywalkers, but none of us that were in the band were named Luke. Uh, so you could just pretend to be Luke. I and exactly. see now I learned that I should have just pretended to be Luke back then, and we could have been Luke and the Skywalkers, and then maybe we would have been famous. You saw how this back, you could dress up back before you realize that you create your own reality, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, eh? Back in the old days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you how many people were here were in a band? This is how it had to be. Never Does in a band. Praise band help count. <laughs> Hey, we've had a lot of people join. How's yeah, it going, Rian? Yo, uh, I see water puppies listening in. And uh, I heard a mystic moose somewhere too. Yeah. What's up, moose? What's up? What's up? I was in I was a singer for my church's praise band. Heck yeah. I was that in counts. a band. Yeah. Nice. I jammed I was, with uh, people. <laughs> heck yeah. <laughs> we I was never in a band, song. but this one time at band camp. 
Oh my! <laughs> oh yeah, I was in band at school too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was. I the was in band at point. school, and I was in the FFA string band. So uh... nice, nice. <laughs> I've been playing my guitar a lot more lately because my I wife, my for Christmas, I got her a fiddle, and she has been diligently practicing fiddle an hour a day, and she's That's getting awesome. really good at it. And I'm like, oh damn, I want to play with her so bad. It's been so long since I played my That's guitar. That's so cool. I need to, so, I have to reteach myself how to play guitar. I've been saying I was going to for like the past year and I haven't. Well, once you're up here, we can all jam together. It'll be awesome. Moose, you listen to the same music as my wife, too. Uh, so, yeah, I've got, and I've got several songs that I've written that are fit for that kind of music. So, hell yeah. To, I've been trying to get some songs written with music, but I haven't actually. All I got is lyrics right now. I've got poems. Nice. And Ben's poems. playing us music right now. There you go. Well, all <laughs> I, I do is rock the drum, man. That's my music. Actually, I'm thinking about That's getting awesome. picking up a harmonica and trying that out. Yeah, harmonica is fun because you can be in your pocket at all times. I've always that. wanted to play harmonica. I, I have that. two harmonicas. There's something about the vibrations from a harmonica too, and you're tripping. Like I don't know if you guys have had a harmonica yeah. player during like DMT oh, yeah. ceremonies, man. Holy fuck! I juke harp too. Coming out of that thing. Yeah, yeah, jute harps, are, nice. harps are really cool during it. Jute yeah. harps are awesome. <laughs> you dreams while you're tripping? Ooh, those are fun. Yeah, so I'm listening to this podcast that are these yeah. ladies building a VR didgeridoo experience. And oh, I can't wow. wait to check it out because they've done like the audio that they're doing through like a Bose AR audio setup uh, uh. to where it'll like move around as you move around the scene. You can like you're in the room with it almost you know it's awesome that's wow cool. yeah it's a really cool instrument i find yeah. any like i really like drone instruments for some reason even like sitars and anything like jaw harps and all these things yeah. that just have i don't know well, what the was the name band, of the band you shared the other night it was hayekin or something like that hailung 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 i don't know how to say it hailung uh, fair enough it's very you know asmr droney i don't know if, how you yeah. say it and they got like the awesome. throat singing I love there. It. yeah 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 me and my kids were loving it the other night it's like stripped down metal with just like yeah. one grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My son at one point was like, is this metal? They look metal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think we can call it metal. <laughs> yeah. Neo-pagan metal revival or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was almost, it was more Gregorian <laughs> chant than metal, but it was amazing. Wow. I dug it for sure. And metal with oh. Gregorian chants is always the best, anyway. So. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! I really got into uh, bluegrass metal lately too that I love. I can't believe there's people making bluegrass metal, but I'm glad they're doing it. I'm not sure what that even means. Uh, check out the Native Howl is one I of the best the groups I've Dude, they're so good. It's bluegrass awesome. metal. It's like yeah. thrash metal but bluegrassy. Yeah. It's a magnificent. Okay, I'll definitely look into That's it. hilarious. <laughs> That's actually one of my, I love listening to them when I'm smoking. Oh, hell yeah. I, I'm a big fan. Big fan. Well, we got everybody here. So uh, today's uh, topic that we were wanting to hit, and I've been wanting to talk about for a very long time, uh, is nonviolent communication. Um, and I, I think... I think it's a cool topic, whether people are familiar with it or not. And uh, my favorite thing is 
telling somebody about it and getting their thoughts, you know, what their initial reaction to it is. Cause it's a, it's a cool system. It was created by a guy called Marshall Rosen, Rosenberg. It's quite uh, psychedelic in my opinion. It is. It's this whole process of how to talk to people and how to listen. And it really like implementing it in my family. It really like changed our entire family dynamic. Not, not even by me teaching my family it, just by me implementing it in situations. Really, like over the past year, I've seen just like dramatic changes in the, the way my family members talk to one another. And it's, it's fucking cool. Um, so I wanted to introduce it to the group here uh, and get your guys' formally. thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, formally. I've been like talking about now. it forever, but <laughs> I wanted to sit down and have a conversation that involved it and see what everybody thinks. So uh, I guess, Luke, do you want to like give a brief you know, rundown of what it is? Yes, as long, as, long as you uh, supervise, because I'm... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. I'm I'll still learning to practice it. Yeah. Even, uh, so the concept about violent communication is the fact that um, we put things like what you deserve or or uh, punishments and rewards are also um, violent, apparently, even the rewards, because you're making it so that you're they're going to do something for you by coercion. And it leads to violence in the end is the concept. Um, right. Um, so the system that he put together is uh, four steps, right? Um, yeah. Where you focus on the needs um, that you have that aren't being met. So the first step is... Uh, observation. Observation. And he differentiates that with analysis. So, like, uh, if I say, you're so stupid, that's an analysis of the other person. You're not really saying anything about the other person. You're saying something about you, right? how you feel about that person. But the feelings are another story because he's got a different uh, <laughs> definition for feeling, too. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so an observation is saying something concrete that you can see. Uh, or that's you know observable um most people in the scientific community know what the word observe means but um maybe some other people might might not uh have a great definition of it um so uh to after you have observed what it is that's triggered you or or someone else uh then you um Help me out, man. I'm Yeah, yeah. So uh, then you you talk about how that event made you feel, how that thing that feeling, you observed yes. made you feel. So your observation of the situation, your feeling, what it what it what's alive in you during that situation? What what stirs because of that, you know? And sometimes for me I've learned that that's a really really hard thing to find. I have a lot of like because we I don't, don't have I language guess, for it. Well, even even without the language barrier, I can't even find where some of these feelings come from. You know, I've buried yeah. some mm -hmm. trauma so deep that I I feel something, but I don't even know what it is sometimes. So th or this why. feeling thing yeah. is not an easy step. It's not to know what you're hardest. feeling 
is really hard. And then to be able to put that into words is even harder. And, and then to put it into a need, which is right. the next step. Right. Because so, you need to figure out what need isn't being met that caused that feeling. Right. And this is my favorite part of his uh, process is, is the needs. And it's yeah, really it, any outburst, reaction, rejection, you know, anything that comes at you like that, you can look at it as a tragic expression of an unmet need. That other person needs something and they don't know how to clearly request it from you. So they are saying it however violently they are. And uh, Marshall, in his later years, or his, uh, the more recent history, he got into this uh, analogy talking about giraffe ears or jackal ears. And uh, he said that you can hear somebody telling you their needs the most tragic way possible. And if you have your giraffe ears on, you can hear it. You can hear th them telling you what they observe, what they feel, and what their needs are. And it takes a lot of work to have that ability to translate it in the moment like that, to be able to, and you're not just going to be like, well, now I know everything. No, you're going to then <laughs> say it and give them the words and confirm that that is indeed what yes, they're feedback. feeling. The most yeah. important part of communication. Right, right. So it's not just assuming that you know everything because you've done this a lot. It's using the knowledge you've learned in this process to be able to to give them the words. That way they it's a don't lot of have guessing practically. Yeah, yeah, and like it is and guessing. Right. And, right. And, and if you thing. get it wrong, you get feedback on how wrong it is, sometimes right. in a violent way. <laughs> right. But if you have those giraffe ears on, you you can hear it as the need. Um, so is I really the idea like you're you're hearing over the 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 violence. You're hearing and through it. Yeah, the giraffe it. can't hear the demands. The giraffe can only hear a request. Uh, the giraffe can't hear somebody's uh, assessment. Uh. They can only hear an observation. So it's a way of listening different. And you can put on your jackal ears. And as soon as you do, you're going to hear the demand. And you're going to hear the assessment of you. And you're going to take it personally. And you're going to not be impeccable with your work. Now that I'm mixing my books. Um, <laughs> but the needs are a really important thing. And I, it's been probably my favorite part of researching to understand this whole thing better. Because human needs there's innate human needs and yet the lists that you'll find of them uh they can be so varied but he's got one yeah and there's a lot of great lists and i think they're all wonderful it's just there's basic needs we all have and understanding that and then understanding that when people are violent or aggressive or rude or mean that they're just expressing these needs in a really poor manner and it can be us we can be the one if we can connect to them to help them find those words to express their need um so i guess i guess we should give maybe some examples of basic needs um i think some easy ones are like autonomy uh celebration integrity interdependence I mean, the physical, physical ones, like food. food, air, <laughs> water, movement, protection, rest, shelter, sexual expression, touch, water. There's just tons. Um, play is an innate human need. Spiritual communion 
is an innate human need. Love, reassurance, respect, support, trust, understanding. These are all things that we all need. Everybody does. Imagine having a society that was built on needs. Right, right. That would be beautiful. It would be, but we'd first have to know them. We would have to (laughs) understand. Because for many, many years of my life, I didn't have the idea in my head that there were needs we all had and that some people weren't having those needs met. You know, like I obviously knew some people starved to death and that's terrible. But like, I, I didn't think about how important it was that people needed to be able to like, be autonomous, you know, and if they couldn't do that, obviously they're going to act foolishly or that they need a spiritual connection. If they can't do that, obviously they're going to be like hurting, suffering. They have a need to play. If they can't play, like they're going to suffer. That's a need. And it, it changes your outlook on people and suffering that there's needs that aren't being fulfilled. And sometimes and some of the, they don't know how to ask for it. Some of the changing your perception of how you view people uh, really helps uh, your suffering. <laughs> right. <laughs> because when you see the, the worst in someone and you respond in kind, you know, not kindly, <laughs> then right. you you make yourself feel worse, even right. if you may not notice it in the moment. Yeah. So if somebody uh, is saying their feelings and we can hear uh, that their needs aren't being met, they might be saying stuff like, I'm angry, I'm annoyed, I'm concerned, confused, lonely, irritated, sad, puzzled, uncomfortable. And those are all Their feelings, they're telling us their feelings, and we can hear in that their needs that are fulfilled. If they come to us and they tell us, oh, I'm joyous and thankful and inspired and amazed and eager, you know, those are like feelings, feelings that when your needs are fulfilled. Um, So we want to get people to the feelings of angry and annoyed to those feelings of amazed and comfortable. Um, And that's not a fast process. Um, and it doesn't happen by rejecting feelings. It it happens by accepting the feelings and understanding that there's a need that's not being fulfilled. Uh, and then the final step of this process is a request. And this is a part that uh, brings in the whole the whole part of everybody needs to choose what they're doing. You can't force people into doing what you want and expect it to have good results. Uh, it needs to be a request, and things need to be done voluntarily and willingly. And, and that's, that's a hard process to get to, but it can happen. The thing about requests uh, I, I liked is the the way you know it's a request is how they respond if you say no. So, like, right. uh, someone wants you to take out the trash, and you uh, don't have time right now. And they want it done right now. And so they get mad at you. That wasn't a request. They didn't ask you to take out the trash, really. What they were doing was telling you to take out the trash. Right. A demand. Right. So an example Marshall uh, gives in a lot of his speeches that I I really love is uh, about doing things willingly. There was a mother that was in his class, and she uh, had a couple kids and a husband at home. And things at home were terribly unhappy and uh marshall had asked during the class uh are there things that you just don't want to do at home 
and you just do them anyways. And she said, obviously, everybody has things that they have to do. And he said, I don't, I don't want anybody to do something because they have to do it. Can you give me an example of something you have to do? And she said, I hate cooking. I never want to cook a meal, but I have to because if I don't, everyone will starve and everybody will be upset with me. So I have to do it. And I love the response that her family gave when she stopped. Yeah, yeah the family comes back uh, and comes to one of the Marshall's things and he catches up with them and asks, how are things at home? I heard there were some big changes in your house, you know? And the mother had decided she wasn't going to cook anymore. She didn't want to, so she wasn't going to. And the response from the family was, I mean, I'm sure they were shocked and surprised at first, but they didn't want her to be doing it out of a feeling of, of like uh, requirement. They wanted her to do it because she liked it. And it was obviously, it's obvious she didn't like it. Uh, He said something like, thank God she stopped because uh, now she can finally, we can finally get through dinner without her complaining. (laughs) Right, exactly. So she didn't want to do it. And whether she said it out loud or not, everybody knew she didn't want to do it. Uh, And that doesn't make anybody happy. It makes, everybody's willing to chip in if it means their, their, especially their home life can get better. So Probably the food tasted worse too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody's miserable cooking. Yeah, no, I want my food to be made with joy because that's when it's going to taste the best for sure. Heck yeah. Um, but yeah, so the end is this clear request and knowing that you're making a request, not a demand and coming from a place where you want them to do it, not because you want it done, but because you want them to want to do it. You know, and and, and this that, isn't like a thing to manipulate people to do what you want. Um, it's because it kind of can come off that way if you say it. If you, if you think about just the words <laughs> that we're saying, like we want you to want to do something, but we don't want you to do something if you don't want to do it. We don't want to convince you to want to do something. We just want right. you to want to do everything you're doing. Right. Exactly. We want people to to around us to be doing things they love and creating things that they want to do. Um, and everybody's happier when that's the, the environment we're in. So that's the four steps. Uh, I know I got people muted because they were wanting to listen in on that, but I'd love if anybody's, uh, able to, to hear your thoughts, your initial reaction to that process. And then we can talk a little more about how Luke and I have experienced, uh, trying it out. Because there's definitely some pitfalls that can happen. Fair enough. Or we can just keep rambling. Because <laughs> I'm fine. Rambling. Talk, I can talk about this all day. Yeah, me too. I just wanted it's to. It's interesting for it me, like I like in what you guys are saying, and, and kind of noticing these, like the needs and stuff inside. Uh, I've done a few of these silent vipassana retreats. Um, there are these ten-day silent meditation retreats where it's uh vipassana is like insight meditation so it's not just focusing on breath it's about um bringing your mind into your body and seeing um like the root of all signals that happen in your body and your responses so after as you do this for 10 days and like 10 hours of meditating a day you realize that 
your responses of any of your mind state, if it's anger, if it's frustration, if it's happiness, if it's whatever, are the result of like the tip of the iceberg of all the signals happening in your body. And when you do something like insight meditation for that long, you really see the root of where you start to maybe react badly or positively or whatever. So it's almost like when you when you finish being at a Vipassana event, it's it's like you can really see that your whole life, if you haven't set up yourself to make space um, in your reactions and stuff, it's like stimulus comes and you automatically do the patterned uh, reaction. And for a lot of people that ends up being um, like frustrated Finally. speaking or not actually speaking to the to the need in the situation in the moment because you're living completely from your past signals so i just right. find it really interesting how yeah. much this aligns with um yeah. a meditative model no totally. i i so i've been exploring exactly what you're talking about because i've been reading the peter levine stuff about somatic experiencing and uh then the breathwork stuff and trying to feel into my body and that I'm finding exactly what you're talking about. I think a 10 day Vipassana retreat would do me a world of good. I wish I could get 10 days away like that. I know it's something you just have to make, but I, uh, I think I could benefit greatly because a lot of my violent reactions to things are not, they don't have anything to do with the situation I'm in. It has everything to do with something in the past that I used that to defend myself and I needed it at the time and I don't anymore. Exactly. So. It's kind of like Pavlov's dog situation, like the doorbell of whatever signal rings right. and you are doing the, the whatever action is correspondent to that, that ding, right? right. Um, yeah. You would, you would love Vipassana. Uh, anyone yeah. in this call yeah. or listening would, it is yeah. like incredibly tough. And there's some great silent. centers <laughs> around me too. Like there really are in Massachusetts. There's some amazing oh, uh, awesome. centers for Vipassana. I've looked into it a lot. It's just, man, 10 days. Yeah, ten have days. Animals, they have them like three day and ones. Humans that rely on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can really tell that that had a big effect on you listening to your podcast, man. Um, I think you you mention it uh, quite often, and and not in even like I'm not saying that it's too often. I appreciate the different facets of it that you bring in, and and <laughs> how it. Uh, relates to so many things. I really want to do it, man. <laughs> Even yeah, these, uh, awesome, these breathworks that you have on Monday, I, I am going to get in them probably pretty frequently, pretty soon. Excellent. And like, it, it's it's interesting because I've done like two of these Vipassana retreats and you'll have like the the best dreams of your life and all these things that seem super realistic, but it is it's it's challenging and even to get away from for that long is, is right. difficult i'm gonna do hopefully sometime soon when i can get together with a good friend of mine we're gonna do an episode just on the poshna which will probably relate really well to this this conversation in general so yeah i'm glad that you're well what <laughs> i what i stuff. really need as far as vipassana goes here's my request of the vipassana community i have a six acre farm in vermont that would be an amazing spot to hold some kind of cool woodland <laughs> tree and I, if it was held here, I could stay here and take care of my animals, at least in the mornings and the evenings. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a lot be of awesome. fun, actually. That sounds awesome, yeah. Way better than the normal Vipassana retreat without animals. <laughs> yes, yes, we could sit right in the pasture all day long. It would be amazing. But uh, yeah, no, I've looked into it, and that, thank you for bringing that in, because that exactly what I was talking about saying that the sometimes those feelings are 
they don't make sense and it's hard to find them. And obviously you're going to react ridiculously if you don't know why you're feeling what you're feeling. It's, it's, it, but if this process and us using this process can be a person to help them find those words. Yeah. It's really found, uh, I found it to really be um, helpful in helping others figure out what the heck's going on with them. You know, like they don't, think in this mind frame so they don't think about the needs that aren't being met that's making them so upset you know there's some people i'm not sure i'm qualified to (laughs) to uh like i don't know there's some people that are so uh no i i can't say that i want to say there's some people that are so uh stuck in their ways that you can't really talk to them about this stuff but oh man um, you don't have to talk to model The the marshal took this model to the Middle East in the midst of some of the most angry places in the world and successfully sat people down and walked them through this process and walked away with good results, which is amazing. Uh, So I think, I I don't think there's a limit. I think there's a limit. I think I'm just not like how far we can take it, you know, and I, I definitely have limits. There's places where I can no longer hear them as with giraffe ears my my jackal ears go on and i react stupidly because it's i start taking it personally i start making assumptions taking it personally and i'm impeccable with my word but sometimes that's my best (laughs) all of us have that limit that place where we it's it's too far you got to be comfortable and and connected to be able to do this and that's why for me it was huge in my family because these are the people I'm the most connected with so it's easy to find this connection between us but other people I uh it's harder you have to build a rapport and build a connection and really show that you're there to listen and to hear them so I I like that what you were saying earlier there's the early on of it about the different human feelings and everything and not really being able to know or not know what all of them were that yeah uh, in my mind drew a connection to sensation and perception and psychology when we have oh, what five, five senses that we know about quote unquote know about and there's like i think eight or some odd senses that affect several things and most of the time when people don't recognize those senses or whatever they're perceiving it usually resorts back to anger or frustration because they don't know what it's called right right yeah yeah no i i I think this is a really cool system to help walk to that. And that's what uh, Marshall was a psychologist in his, uh, it was his training. And he found that the psychology uh, structure didn't allow him to get where he wanted. So that's why he came up with this, which is, uh, it was to find that, that language so he could make that connection to people. And then he just started doing it on its own and it's blown up. So the nonviolent communication community is huge. Um, There are instructor trainers around the world that are willing to help new people learn and teach it. Uh, It's a big process that they do. Uh, It's like three to five years to become a, a trainer of this system. But the thing that's cool is a lot of people have done it. So there are communities around the world that 
work with this system and go to churches, schools, political communities, like, and, and help teach this to be able to sit down with people that are different and come together to hear each other's feelings and needs and make requests of one another. So, and I look uh, forward to finishing that. I, I want to start yeah. and finish that, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe, I can't imagine, you know, where my life would be if I could teach it to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm curious, are you guys aware of um, like Nora Bateson in the Batesonian Institute? Yeah. She, um, she does like the warm data and uh, yeah, like the warm data labs and people need people sessions, which seems really aligned with, with what you guys are talking about. Um, in, For sure. in university, I studied uh, dialogue, which seems really in line with a lot of this, where it's yeah. like showing up yeah, almost right. like in group meditations and really not responding again with those sig like just the signals that are coming up but really allowing yourself to feel what's going on and just re respond kind of accordingly um and and I, I just find what you're saying really interesting because even like nora bateson and and all this stuff with the people need people they have um training for like warm data labs and stuff like that um that just seems yeah. really in line with 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 a lot of this stuff. So I just it definitely is. I I looked them up when I listened to your podcast with uh, with Lucas, um, and that it was completely in line with this. And I need to explore it more because that was a very very cool uh, very cool project that they're doing there. Yeah, absolutely. Have you done any of those sessions? I, I was in um, like three of the people need people sessions. Um, typically like their warm data stuff is their in-person ones. That's yep. about like actually bringing the stories of people out in, in data and not just being about cold numbers or whatever. Um, yeah. Their online ones are called people need people sessions. And I just didn't go as much as I wanted to. There was like, I think it, there was like 10 sessions and I made it to three because yeah. they were at like uh, 6.30 AM or something like that. Cause they were based yeah. in European time. So it was really nice to go to a few and I and I I like the exploration in some of these themes without there necessarily being a like a point and it's yeah. just about the process of communicating and what can be uncovered I think is so fascinating. Yeah, no I think the the blend of nonviolent communication with conversations like that could be very very powerful. Um, to just kind of have for those, I don't know what kind of training the people need people leaders get. I'm sure it's amazing. And I would guess that it involves some nonviolent communication training. That would be my guess. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say the same thing. So um, what about, what's some pitfalls that you've come in uh, to encounter? Rex? So definitely early on, uh, People, you know, when you start talking about feelings and needs, like, you know, my <laughs> wife, my kids, like they react with some, you know, initial rejection, you know, because it's like, uh, where did this woo-woo, uh, hippy-dippy language come from, you know? Um, not that, obviously, if anybody knows me, you know that there's going to be some hippy-dippy language being thrown Yeah, around. they know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> they get, they're kind of used to it, but they're not used to it in those situations where it would normally be a screaming match or a fight or something like that. Instead, slowing the conversation down and sitting down and saying, I've been working with this program and I really like where it's going and I think it can be of value in our house. 
and then really trying to onboard everybody to just try it out with me. There was some struggle at the beginning because, you know, my, my wife certainly believes that the kids should do what she says because she's the mother, you know, like that, that is that's her. That's how my wife feels too. <laughs> so it is her expectation. And, and, you know, that's fine. My goal is not to change her, her whole structure of parenting in one day. Uh, it's, that to get through this disagreement, I think these tools are really helpful. So let's try it, you know, and maybe one day I'll convince my wife that retributive justice is, uh, or restorative justice is better than retributive justice and the punishments and rewards aren't the, the leading way to get children to do what you want. Maybe someday I'll convince her of that, but until then it's good enough for me to sit down and use this model exactly. during one conversation. You know, I don't, need I, her, I don't need her to change her whole worldview or moral structure. But if we use this system during disagreements in the family, it, we have now proven it works. And it does change everybody slowly. Uh, it certainly has. I'm curious then, like, when, when you're doing that, like, what does that look like at a family level? Like like when people are catching themselves or other people catching each other to be able to actually respond in a nonviolent way. Um, so what, what does that do in the personalities? Yeah. A lot of the times in my house, so there's some, there's some, uh, what's the word for it? Friction. My son is 14 years old. Um, my wife is a Taurus like me. We're very stubborn and bullheaded. Uh, and my son's trying to, you know, show his autonomy. He's showing, he, he's, he's striking out on his independence. He's a 14 year old boy. Um, and there's friction there. And that's, that's been a huge recurring theme in the house is this friction between them, because I am very like, I, I guess I, I'm the, good cop often you know i if something's not literally going to kill somebody or cost more money than we can afford i think we can learn a lesson from it and not just punish you know it's always been my thing so i'm the good cop and i'm sure that itself creates some friction um but often then it's me stepping in when there's that confrontation in the house and often i'll say hey guys let's take five do something you love and after five minutes of stepping away and it's never them doing something they love it's them looking at something they love and stewing about the situation but it at least gives that pause and then i'll bring everybody back together and we start talking about this stuff so i'll ask you know my son what what happened what can you tell me happened that cause this in you from your perspective you know what did you observe what what caused this for you and then how did that make you feel and then i'll ask her the same thing and just giving them the time to to hear each other say it uh, does a ton and then uh from there Starting to talk about the needs was a big process and took a long time to kind of get this through that everybody has these innate needs and some of them go against our desires. Somebody might have a need that doesn't match our at the moment request or desire and that's okay. 
And then learning to make those requests was a big process in my house. You know, at first it sounded a lot like requests, but it was definitely demands. And uh, it took a long time to kind of get to where we realized the house is happier when people are doing things voluntarily, when they're doing it out of obligation or demands. It, it's not fun to do, you know. It, 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 why did? Why would you want everybody to be forced to do this if everybody's going to be miserable while they're doing it? When instead, maybe one person sits out one time, but everybody else is happier and that person's happier. And then when it's requested of them again, it's more likely they'll want to do it because they know it's a request, not a demand. So that's what it's looked like. And I could go into more specifics, but I I don't want to sit and talk about all my family drama for hours when <laughs> it doesn't so seem far, necessary. So far, what I've uh, found it useful for is myself. I haven't exactly extended outwards yet, but it's helped me to see things differently and and like i said in turn decrease my own suffering and and that just doing that it has saved some friction you know like just because there's friction coming at me doesn't mean i have to respond the same i can take a minute you know keep my mouth shut and my ears open and respond um better just all around better um and and more honest to myself uh, in the end, too, because sometimes whenever your needs aren't being met and and you're uh, lashing out, it might be something that has some truth to it, but probably it's like the truth has been manipulated by your jackal ears to to mean something a lot more personal and and hurtful to you than it really should. Yeah, uh, and and that's not to say that you your feelings aren't justified. You you know your feelings are your feelings. You can't control them. They're your compass. They tell you what you resonate with and what you don't resonate with. But they don't necessarily mean that your interpretation of what you heard is what you should have heard. What uh what would be most beneficial to you and the people around you to hear? Yeah. Capital T truth, as opposed to lowercase t truth. As uh, Wallace, isn't his name Wallace? That uh, This Is Water video really got to me. I listened to it like six or seven times. David Foster Wallace, yeah. Foster Wallace, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned he killed himself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah his story is tragic. You have a mind like that, too, he that really sees dude. the situation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that dude. His writing I've, has been a huge part of my life. That's <laughs> awesome. I haven't, I have Infinite Jest, but I haven't read it yet. But I've like, I've listened to the This Is Water speech so many times. And yeah. like the first time I heard it was, um, I was coming down off a mushroom trip out of a like deep inwards experience. Oh, yeah. And then someone was like, we're going to go watch the sunset. But before I do that, let me read you this speech. And I was like, oh my God, felt like it changed my life. And then it was yeah. read to me again in my dialogue uh, or like the, the video was played when I was in my dialogue um, minor. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. His, so the infinite jest is his masterpiece of like, uh, to me, it's everything because it's like, it, it's, perspective is the whole thing and it's his ability to get inside the minds of so many diverse people and really bring them to life in his story and weave it 
is just magical. And then my mm -hmm. favorite thing about Foster Wallace is he is not afraid to make up a word. And he does yeah. not believe that the English language is like stamped or carved in stone. It is malleable. You can yeah. use it however you damn well please. As long as you get your point across, it doesn't matter what punctuation or spelling you used. Like yeah. It's all about it's all about conveying an idea. And if you can do that and make up words the whole way, fuck yeah. If you can do that and mispronounce every word in a sentence but get your point across, that's amazing. <laughs> you master yeah. English language, you know? Because it's awesome. all about getting the meaning across, not about using. Like the language is the using. tool for communicating right. meaning. Yeah. But if your tool can't evolve, your tool's useless. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You should you should throw that tool away and reinvest because you have a failed tool. So yeah. I love Foster Wallace for that reason and his ability to do perspective. The only other author I've yeah. ever read that matches is Daniel Lewski, Mark Danielewski and his mm. his writing is just perspective. It is amazing that he can get into the mind of a Latino grandma and uh, you know the president of Ukraine and you know the characters that he comes up with yeah. and brings to life with such depth is just magical awesome. is this the one this is the author the the second one not foster wallace that this one you're talking about is that the one that has the uh the one that's in different languages yeah and... the familiar which is yeah. uh, his his more recent work the one he's famous for is the house of leaves uh, oh, I, I've so, read so a bit trippy. of How to Leave. Yeah, that's Which is a yeah. magic crazy book. <laughs> it's a magic I, book. I definitely have not read all of it, but it's, it's very trippy. Yeah, I was in elementary school and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> 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 My brother was like, read this. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I didn't. I'm glad I didn't confront that book until my later years. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, even with the the David Foster Wallace, um, the This is Water thing, I find it really kind of remarkable how much that speech aligns with, um, in in that last podcast that I did with Lucas, the, the John Lilly passage around expectations, um, yeah. to me is really like the, the crux of exactly what he's saying in, in This is Water. So it's it's just interesting to me, like the different ways that you can communicate that kind of idea of like not living your life based on the the not the needs of others but like what others expect or or think that you should be doing with your time yeah right your expectations thing is amazing have you memorized it yet can you recite it at this point uh i have it in my hand right <laughs> now but i wish i could recite it it's so fucking perfect i'm assuming someday you'll be able to recite it yeah, yeah. Definitely. That would be awesome. I definitely know the one line I expect my expectations are the expectations of someone else and not mine is yeah. ooh, that's yeah. the crux of it anyways. So yeah, yeah that's awesome. I love, love that it. that prose. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, nonviolent communication to bring it to that is is knowing your expectations and letting them be known not not yeah. having other people's expectations thrust on you but instead recognizing your own and requesting them yes. uh, requesting things of others to support them i should say you know uh and sometimes your expectations won't be met and that's okay but it's good to know that they're yours not somebody else's yes and to be able to communicate it from that basis of understanding what your needs are not based on um the external or whatever right yeah 
yeah. sort of yeah. makes you um, take responsibility for your own feelings too, instead of playing the victim. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And not making other people victims either, but exactly. hearing, knowing and hearing their, their pain and, and sitting there with them and letting them know you're there to listen because you want them to be not suffering. You know, that's, that's an easy conversation. Every time one of my family members is hurting, it's really easy to go to them and say, I don't want you to be hurting. And I want to sit here with you and, and see what we can do to make that not happen. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's an yeah. easy conversation with it's somebody you love. And yeah. An example that um, I had with uh, my sister, um, she, I, I, I asked her something really simple and she exploded on me, like saying something about like how she doesn't need my, uh, my um, conc conceit is not the right, judgmental uh, attitude and all this. And, and I was not being judgmental at all. And this is something that's been reoccurring with her. She thinks that I'm judging her when I'm not. Uh, like not at all judging her, just really curious about her and, and wanting to uh, help her to be mm, uh, a little bit more mindful about uh, me, <laughs> other people in general. She's she's uh, really judgmental, but I don't tell her ah. that. Uh, <laughs> and that's a judgment of like me, you might I, I be guess. Judging her. <laughs> uh, well, yes, that, that is very um, very ironic. Um, but this is, I mean, from the future, I, I may be judging her more now than I was then. Cause I told her, um, that, uh, I feel like, uh, there must be something more bothering her than, um, what I was saying right now. It, it seemed to be, um, much bigger. And so I asked her like, what, what is it, what is the need that's not being met? And, um, it, it, I don't know. It, it was about a year ago now. It was right when I was running into this stuff, and it, it somehow resolved it um, really easily. Maybe I've got my jackal ears on now, but at the time I had my giraffe ears, and I, um, I mean, I handled the situation a lot better than uh, I could have, and it, um, it's kind of saved some relationships, honestly, important ones. Yeah. Um, and I wish that I could have, like you said, I wish I could have the giraffe ears on all the time. Yeah. Uh, when my needs aren't being met, I guess it's uh, it's easier to to uh, slip into those things. And I think right now I'm kind of sleepy. <laughs> I I didn't get very good sleep the last few days, but most of my needs are met. And uh, I think sleepiness kind of causes me to yeah. not uh, enunciate my feelings as well, or, or my points, my, my meaning, my tool is not working very well, guys. <laughs> ah, that's all right. All it needs is a tune up. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, I, uh, I think we're coming up on close to an hour here and I, uh, know everybody's busy in the middle of the day, so I don't want to drag this out too long, but I, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us today to talk about nonviolent communication and I want this this is definitely one of those topics that I want to continue this conversation and uh, I think this is a really cool introduction and way to bring it out to the group and have folks listen and now I want you guys to come back and tell us 
what you think. We'll drop links in our uh, Discord channel to check out and find books and, and worksheets and all that stuff because I have all that compiled that I'd love to just share there as a resource that people can investigate this on their own and, you know, try it out and see if it's something that could help your relationships. And if it does, uh, share. Let us know. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's fun. Me and Luke talk about this all the time, like back and forth. We're constantly. Because it helps me learn and that helps me implement it better. Yeah. And I feel like this weaves with like every kind of topic with everything. Right. This and the four agreements are just like two tools that I have that just fit everything. They just they always help and the same as like spiral dynamics it it's done so much as a tool to just have one more one more thing that i have that i can use and be like take myself and my feelings out of a situation and say oh here's the bigger picture here's the way we can we can address this together you know and this is one of those tools that i've found invaluable for sure that's awesome and yeah. I, I, I can't thank you enough, man, for introducing it to me and uh, and talking with me, uh, you know, when I'm freaking out about stupid shit yeah. with my family. You're always there for me, too, brother, and I appreciate it. That's what this community is about, stepping up and being there when somebody needs you. Needs. Anybody out there, and- know, know I got your back. If you need something, let me know. <laughs>